0: Gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the agency power show. Hello, everyone. This is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters and the CEO of Titan Digital. Today, we're going to be talking emotional marketing. I've got the fearless marketer Randy Crane with me today. Randy, it's great to see
1: you. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Cash, it's great to be here with you. I've been so excited waiting to talk with you. So I, I'm this is gonna be a great conversation today. Um, as I said, I am the, I am, uh, the fearless marketer. Um, I've been in marketing for 43 years. Okay, so I came in back in the 80s when uh, before the days of the internet and before the days of uh, digital marketing, and um, you know, I was really kind of fortunate because I realized in the 80s, in the early 80s, when the internet started to come up um that this was gonna be the new thing. Okay. I didn't know how it was gonna be, but I knew it was gonna the internet. I mean, I started when back in the days when AOL and uh you got mail, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah, kind of thing. I remember and, those days. Uh, yeah. So for me, it was all about making that transition to, from where I was to eventually into the digital world. I knew it would eventually come to that. I just didn't know when. Hmm. And uh, so anyways, I've been, uh, I've been a marketer for hire since um, probably I think 1992, 93. Okay. My clients tend to stay with me. my longest, my longest client right now is. I'm still marketing for him today. Joined me in 1992. Wow, and I'm still working with them today. Most of my clients are five to eight years old.
0: Hmm. Well, you definitely have a, a history with them. You know the the topic today, emotional marketing. I think you're like the perfect person to to talk about because of that you know, your longevity in the industry. Yeah. Because emotional is not, you know, it's not attached to digital marketing. It's not necessarily traditional. It transcends, you know, everything. So you've been able to see, you know, it firsthand, how it works for, you know, literally decades. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like first we want to like, I guess, cover, you know, emotional versus like traditional. So put it into context, how emotional marketing is like defined, you know? And so people really understand, you know,
1: where you're coming from with it. Okay. So let me define emotional marketing first, and then I'm going to take you on a history lesson. Um, every human being in the world uh, requires two things. Um, Every one of them want to be happy. Can we agree? Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, the caveat to that is some people are happy in their own misery. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Okay. The second thing is every single human being on the planet is emotionally connected to their own problems. Every single one. Yeah. It's a common denominator with all people. So... I take uh, a simple thing like a sales call and um, I'm the salesman and you're the customer. You've got a problem. And now you're over here. You've got this problem. How does that problem make you feel? Well, hmm. it makes you feel bad. You've got anxiety. You've got worry. Your boss is on your back saying, Hey, listen, have you have got this thing fixed yet. Your, your wife's saying, have you called the plumber yet? You got anxiety. Okay. You wanna get to happiness, but you can't get there because you got this problem. Now, all of a sudden I come in and I'm the salesman and I get you to move across the bridge from anxiety back to happiness, okay? Okay. Um, That's the key and it's the key in marketing people don't want to people don't want to hang out with people that they that are mean or cruel or harsh people want to hang out with people that are happy and people that are enjoyable to be around marketing works on the same principle you know a classic example of this is nike nike is a masterclass mm. in emotional marketing because everything they do is emotionally based on their customer's experience. Yeah. So whether it's you've got a product to sell, whether you have a um, uh, service that you're selling, whether you own a restaurant, whether you own a bar, whatever the case is, remember something. It's It's not about the food on your menu. It never was. It's about the experience that people have when they come to your establishment. It's it's about the experience they have when they have, you know, the uh, when they have your product. Now going through the history, lesson, Here's what it is: I started in the '80s, and I I did a lot of research. I was one of those research guys, so I did a lot of research back into uh, actually into the 1950s. My my dad was a Fuller Brush man in the 1950s. Remember Fuller Brush. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're long gone now, but yeah, they yeah. used to sell brushes door-to-door, much the same as the, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica or the old Filter Queen vacuum guys, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And um, the whole idea of selling back then, and this is where the selling in the 80s came from, was from that era. And what it was is you go out on the road – you make straight commission and you make a piece of every sale that you get over the course of the day. So if you went out and sold brushes, you know, you made a sale, you get Mm -hmm. 10 cents for the brush and the company would get $2 or whatever the case was. Yeah. Okay. So that model lasted all the way through the sixties, all the way through the seventies. And then by the time the eighties rolled around, they were still trying to adapt that model into an eighties environment. Well, Everything changed in the 80s because now we have, quote, quote, proper advertising. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I say proper advertising, it wasn't really proper advertising. It was just another level of advertising. Um, you know, the uh, the companies had become bigger. They were, they have become stronger. And, um, you know, I, you and I were talking earlier and we were talking about, um, you know, AC Nielsen and, yeah, companies yeah. that did the uh, the uh, the statistics and the demographics on ads, and you know what, I I don't know that those statistics were really accurate during that period. Um, but again, companies like Coca-Cola, Coca Cola, uh, Molsons, Pepsi, McDonald's, they relied on those companies mm-hmm. to do that. Um, what ended up happening is is that. During that period of the eighties, I mean, I, that's when it was all about TV, radio, it was about newspapers, magazines, and, uh, and, uh, coasters and fridge magnets. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but it only lasted for a very short time because by the end of the nineties, it had all collapsed. It had crashed. Uh-huh. The big ad agencies were no longer, um, the big corporations were left with their hands in their pockets and new a new improved ad agency rose and that's what we have today um the ad agencies of today are not like those ones we've evolved yeah and i mean let's face it i mean i don't know your agency but i would assume it's nowhere near the size of Ogilvy and Mather. No, definitely not. (laughs) Exactly, right? Neither is mine. But I think we're smarter marketers because of that transition from the uh, elite elite ad agencies to the smaller, more boutique. And uh, for me, anyways, it's been a situation where I don't need a Nike. I don't need a Pepsi Cola. Matter of fact, I I don't even think I would even want one as a client. Mm. I'm happy with the smaller, more, you know, the customer where you do the marketing and uh, they actually appreciate you. Where back in the 80s, nobody appreciated anything. You know, Um, I told you in the beginning, I had a My first budget was $350,000, and I failed at it. And my second one, I failed at too. I'd already spent almost a million dollars of their money, but eh, don't worry about it. It's all good. Because back in the 80s, everybody had the money to throw it around. Today, it's a little bit different. And I think, um, you know, the companies like AC Nielsen have gone away. I'm sure they're still around, but I don't think they do what they, they used to do. Yeah. And, well, um, yeah, the the, the big ad, ad agencies, I don't think many of them are left. I think there's only a very few. So that being said, I think, um, you know, we've become more decentralized. And I think uh, for an agency or for a person doing marketing, I think they really have to look at what their niche is, what they specialize in. Yeah. Well- and how do they get the sale to the customer? Don't be so concerned about getting the money. Be more concerned about how you're going to get the sale for the customer because that's what the customer wants. Well,
0: to get that sale to the customer, how do we tap into their emotions? I mean, you know, you started with, you know, you get this low and you have this like, you know, for whatever reason, you know, how do we get to get them to the high spot? Because that's you know, you have a lot of like we're a very service-based economy now. So you have mm-hmm. a lot of those types of businesses, but you also must mention like restaurants and stuff. It's the food doesn't it's the atmosphere, yeah, you know, that gets Absolutely. you there. But through it's advertising, how do we get there? Because it's easy for me to walk into a restaurant and feel really good about that, but how does the restaurant advertising, you know, how do we connect with people when they're not necessarily in
1: the venue? Well, you know, and I think that's an again, you know, you, you can't do that without experiencing life itself. You know, for me, if if I go into a restaurant, I feel good about being in that restaurant, well then then that creates a uh, that creates an imprint in my head, mm-hmm. in my brain. So I know what I feel good about. Now, does that mean everybody feels good about it? No. But you're not going to sell everybody anyway. I mean what you really want to be able to do here is that you connect with people through chemistry and it's that chemistry that you that you create it's a magnetism you know like you cash I mean we just met i I think you're a, I think you're a hell of a nice guy and I would hope that you think I'm a hell of a yeah. nice guy too. Okay, Um, there's a connection there. And you see, it's that connection that we want to create. The customer. And and this is where things like. Interviewing their customers. What do they love? What do they not love? What do they what would they like to change? What would they not like to change? These are the steps I go through Mm -hmm. when I take on a client. It's not a matter that, you know, I take on the client, hey, I'm going to do social media. If I'm doing social media or I'm building a website, you don't start with a website, you end with a website. You don't start with uh, social media, you end with social media. It's all the stuff that goes on before you put a pen to paper, before you do a post, before you build a page that counts. And you see, this is the part that people don't understand is that it's all the legwork that you do ahead of time. You know, it reminds me of a story. I was working at uh, Molson's when I was younger, and a uh, guy, we had done a, a million dollar budget on a new beer. And um, he came to me, and this guy was a, a broker, and he says, You know what? I just came out with a new beer. It's going to put Molson's out of business. I said, sure it will. And uh, he says, I saw your latest ad and I'm going to produce the exact same thing. And he did. He went out and spent like $300,000 on his getting a film crew and (laughs) studios and did the whole thing, right? And he produced it. Great. And it looked great. Really did. And then he turned around and he got it on every major news station and uh, TV station across Canada. Okay. Spent another two or three or that hundred thousand on that. And you know how much beer he sold? It flopped, didn't it? <laughs> Almost none. Yeah. So he came to me and he said to me, Randy, why? And I said, because you turned around and copied our work, but you copied our finished work. You didn't copy all the the R&D. You didn't copy all of the um, marketing groups and and source groups that we put together, all the taste testings, all of the, you know, all of that that goes into making a successful campaign. You just figured you'd copy the end product and go and just go and do it. Yeah. All of the research that was done was, you know, you talk about
0: making an emotional connection, but that's where all that research came in that helps determine, you know, where the ads were going to need to go to make, you know, that end connection. And he had, while well, he may have had another beer. He had a different beer. It could, that would have had its own audience. You think beer is a great example of like uh, the variances, yeah. like you get real connections. Like for me, you know, when it comes to beer and stuff, um, I lived in Germany when I was younger and German beers are way more full bodied and everything. You know, there's just yeah. more, and there are certain beers that like, I don't go for anything that's domestic. I don't want to drink a Miller. I don't want to drink a Heineken either or anything like that, but I love, cra- I love craft beers, okay. you know? And so, but there's certain ones I don't like pulses and things, you know, like the pale ales, IPAs. I don't care for those, you know, I'm more of a wheat, you know, type beer drinker, but sure. So if you didn't do the research, you didn't see what was going to connect with me, you know, like, yeah, I love, uh, you know, beer that has some sort of a, a fruit, you know, infusion in it. And because of how I grew up. So for me, there's an emotional connection with those types of beers. And if you do the homework, essentially, you know, you'll find your audience for the product. And then you can find out how you're going to connect with them emotionally. And you're going to say, there's a lot of people that this is not going to be right for. But the ones that it is, that's how, you know, brands develop loyal followings. Like, I like Coke, don't care for Pepsi, you know, <laughs> and, you know and, I,
1: and, I, and I do like Coke and I don't care for Pepsi.
0: Yeah. And for any number of reasons. And so you get, you know when you take that deeper dive and even small medium-sized businesses can do this, if they would take the time to talk to their customers.
1: You know what? And that's the problem. And I think that's a problem in the digital world. Although I think, you know, the guys like you and I who carried over. Okay. From the, from the eighties and nineties and uh, not comparing your age with mine, obviously, but I'm just letting you know that. Yeah. Um, everybody wants instant success. Everybody wants instant money. Pay me, pay me, pay me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You and I both know that, you know, the, um, and and I, and I kind of tell the story, you know, the graphic designers in the eighties, they were all going broke. Okay. I mean the universities and colleges were turning out graphic designers like they were, like they were uh, flying out the door. Yeah. And back then, the big ad agencies controlled more, to, more than 60% or 70% of all of the uh, major projects out there. Yeah. So there was too many graphic designers and not enough work. Sure. So all of a sudden, the internet comes along, and now all of these people have a whole new lease on life. But you know, it's interesting, because you and I were talking about this, and um you know, these graphic designers came along and they could do beautiful work. And some of them did. But what did they really know about selling? Yeah. Well, nothing. What do they know about marketing? Well, nothing. They knew how to make pretty pictures on the web. And that's exactly what they did. And today, 30 years later, we're still sifting through that those websites from 30 years ago. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't run across them as much as we used to, but every day you run across one or two. So do I, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know because the the design of a website was never to sell anything. It was originally just to be a, a an online brochure, an online flyer. Yeah, it's an information a, source, in and right? an information source, and it, because of it, it's changed. It's um, it's grown over the years that. You can't afford to have a website if that website doesn't. That website should be your best salesperson. It should be your best salesperson. And if you don't know what that means, you need to go back and you need to figure out what your customers want. What your customers, why do people buy from you? Yeah. Why do they buy from you? Is it because you're such a wonderful guy? Maybe it is. Is it because you have a, a, a great experience working with your company? Maybe it is. Maybe the product is so great. Maybe it is. But you know what? If you don't know, and then, you know, you and I get clients, Cash, and they always do the same thing. Well, I think it's because of this, or I think it's because of that. They think. They don't know because they haven't done the legwork. Yeah. And that legwork in marketing is so critical It's so critical because how do I know how you feel if I don't know you? Well, I don't. Now I'm just guessing. Yeah. And, you know, and I say this to clients all the time, you know, there's a million ways for me to be wrong and maybe a handful of uh, ways to be right. Well, okay. So,
0: you know, when you're doing that legwork and stuff, one of the things you're also able to do is, you know, you're also going to find out it's not just who your customers are, but who your best customers are. You Absolutely. know, why do they come to you? Like I say, because like you've mentioned, you know, we choose things based on emotion, you know, if I like say, and some of the emotion, it's not just a, you know, the simple things of I'm happy and I'm sad and yeah. stuff. It's like anxiety sense of urgency, you know, things like, you know, it, it can be, uh um, any number of things. Yeah. You know, I'll give an example. Um, you know, I had a broken, wind, cracked windshield, not that long ago from a trip. And for me, the company I chose was based on a sense of impatience. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, because I got home on a Friday I wanted it gone. I wanted it replaced. I don't like, you know, drive in with a cracked windshield and stuff like that. And yeah. so I looked for a company specifically that could come out on a, you know, the next day, like on a Saturday, uh, because I was impatient, yep. you know? And so, and the company that now the company that ended up getting my business yep. actually came out on a Monday only because I could not find someone to satisfy the need. And so then I went to the second emotion was I wanted somebody I could trust to do the job. You know, the, the company that it's funny because the company that was open on a Saturday did not get my business because I read their reviews and they were so horrible that right. then it shifted gears to, you know, I go from impatience to I'm going to be a little more patient here. I'll wait till Monday because you have a sense that you're going to be dissatisfied. You know, based on what I was reading with the reviews, I was not going to be happy. Those reviews said I probably wasn't going to be happy. And so I ended up with one calming down because of the fear of the other that I would just, because I'm impatient, I would go and get something and then they would mess it up.
1: Yeah. So I was more willing to wait. You know, it's, it's really interesting because I listened to your story and, and, you know, you did a couple of things here that I think are really interesting. Number one, you expressed your feelings. Okay. Number two, you are expressing emotions. Now, most people don't think that there's a difference between a feeling and an emotion, but there is. Okay? Happiness is not a is a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not an emotion. But you see, the reason why you're happy is the emotion. That's where you have to drill down. You have to drill down to what that emotion is, because when people say, well, you know, I'm happy. Well, great. Why are you happy? Well, I'm happy because uh, I I finally realized that I could wait until Monday. And how did that make you feel? Yeah. Well, that made me feel great. Well, what is what does great feel like? You know, mm-hmm. and you, you start drilling down into what that emotion is. Yeah. And you yeah. see, this is where I say, you know, is that human beings don't make logical decisions. Human beings make emotional decisions, and then logic comes later. Okay. If you're a marketer, you need to understand that. Human beings do not make logical decisions. You know, I remember when I was a young boy, my dad would say to me, Randy, you have to learn to make logical decisions. (laughs) Okay. And I'm sure your father probably told you something similar. Yeah. Um, Human beings don't make logical decisions. They make emotional decisions. Yeah. And then they try to either rationalize it or legitimize it later on. You know, I, I, I tell a story, you know, I was about 18 years old and I wanted this big set of speakers. I had one of those killer uh, stereo systems. So I had the speakers that were huge (laughs) and um, I saved up my money because I really wanted these speakers. They were, you know, liquid cooled and all of the fancy stuff with it finally raised the money. And I went to the store and handed the money The guy gave me the speakers, put them in my car, took them home, plugged them in. Wow. What a sound. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Then I looked at the receipt and you know, it's a funny thing happened. Those speech speakers, after I looked at the receipt, those speakers magically unplugged themselves made their way back into the box, made their way back into my car, and I don't need to tell you where those speakers wound up.
0: (laughs) A different emotion took over once you saw how much you paid for them.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You know, so what I'm saying to you is is that it's that the human species will make uh, emotional decisions. Now, they'll make – Good emotional Um, decisions and they'll make bad ones.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why like stores are designed, you know, certain ways for things like impulse buys and such, you know, because you have certain products and whatnot that you, you know, people will buy more based on emotion than they will buy off of common sense. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All the time. Common sense is not so common.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Grocery stores, I always think are a great example. There's a reason the milk's in the back. We need the milk. All the things you pass to get to the milk, you don't need. But that's, that's what correct. we're going to have you go past because you'll get an impulse buy off of a candy bar or something. Because that candy bar will give you that you know suddenly you have a sudden urge and you want to fulfill it and stuff. And that's how you know things like
1: that get sold all the time. Well, and remember something too. You know, there's a reason why the the sugar cereals are on the middle shelves. There's always a there's High a, level. a I level with the kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's always a reason why the uh, National Enquirer, People Magazine, uh, us and those magazines are at the cash register. Yeah,
0: they're They're not on the
1: magazine rack.
0: Yeah, because, you know, they put this this leading story on the front that's going to be something really stupid. But, you know, it's going to drive somebody going, oh, my God, what happened? And then they'll buy that, you
1: know, at the last second. And that's right. It'll be a yeah. picture of President Biden on the front of the and they'll say, oh, you know, he did something ridiculous and say, oh, my yeah. God, I got to read about that. So they throw it into their. Yeah, I, exactly. Where, yeah, because if
0: they left it just in the magazine section, they, nobody goes there. Nobody goes there.
1: Yeah. So this is called impulse buying. Yeah. Impulse are based on what? They're based on emotion. It. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, for me, this all started when, you know, um, when I was a young boy, I was actually going to be a priest. I don't know whether I told you. That. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to be a priest and actually I was about six weeks away from taking my vows and I decided to leave the church and, the reason I left was because I, I figured there was more truth to this story than what they were giving me. So it started me on a journey of research. And I just, as I mentioned to you before, I'm always been a researcher. So I started reading and, um, uh, Bibles and, uh, you know, gospels from other people and, and I, you know, different religions and all of that. And, you know, even to this day, I still read it. And, um, that's 40 years later. And what happened to me was kind of interesting because I I was, I had the religion here and then I had the, uh, oh, there we are. Uh, Then I had the marketing here and then over a period of time, it kind of just went together. Yeah. And um, for me, that was kind of a change and because I started realizing early on that this isn't about selling at all. This is about connecting. OK, yeah, when when you get away and, and, you know, and I tell this to people as much as I can, you know, when you make it about the money, that's all it'll be about. If you make it about the customer and the customer success, then that's what it'll be. about. But if you put your you, you put yourself ahead of the customer, you lose. And yeah. I, I, I hope you agree with that. I. I you do. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, the
0: um, I think it's for businesses, you know, regardless of size, um, it's they can connect with their customers. They need to listen. Yeah, you know, they need to dive in and understand. And if you make that emotional, because if you can connect with your customers on, a, on an emotional level to some degree right? It's how you build brand loyalty too. It's not, you know, I say you have dedicated people for Coke, you have dedicated people for certain brands of, you know, beer or restaurant chains, but even service businesses, because it's like, if the, if you've taught your own people to make them you know, some sort of a connection when they're there, the way that they provide the service, you get a certain expectation because, you know, I guess like a good example would be, you know, um, if you call, you know, a big cable company like Comcast or something, right, mm-hmm. you immediately, before you've even made the call, there is an emotion attached to it. It's dread. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> you you know, don't, Here and, in Canada,
1: it's Canada. And you know what? It's dread.
0: Yeah, yeah you hate to do it because you there's an expectation based on the reputation they've developed and how they've dealt with people over so many years there's an expectation it's going to be a horrible experience yeah you know, whereas companies if they can make that experience great and their advertising follows suit you know because a lot of times you know how we ever the advertising on the front end can say this is the greatest company in the world to deal with but then the expectation or the reality is totally different and it's a huge letdown and no amount of great advertising can overcome the experience on the other end.
1: Oh, absolutely not. And you know, a, a perfect example of this is uh, the government and without yeah. going yeah. down a rabbit hole, I just want, I just want to make a point, you know, um, ask any American, do you want to call the IRS? No. <laughs> okay. Like you avoid that at the pl- as a play same in Canada in Canada we have Revenue Canada same thing do you want to call Revenue Canada no okay that's lots of people you want to talk to why it's because they've built that they've built that persona of who they are and, and I bet you I could talk to a million Americans there wouldn't be one. There wouldn't be one that said, you know what? Yeah, I really want to talk to them today. Yeah. Yeah. And because the persona is wrong. Now, you'd think they would do something about that, but obviously they haven't or they don't care. I don't know. The point that I'm making to you is this, is that what people believe to be true is what's true. You have a bad experience at a restaurant. You're not going back. You have a really bad experience at a restaurant, you're not only not going to back, but you're gonna leave a bad review. Yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, if you have a really, really bad ex- experience, you're gonna call a lawyer. I mean, <laughs> this is where this this is where this all kind of leads. Yeah. On the other hand, too, what is the difference between making the experience great or making the experience poor? Well, it's it's all your perception. Mm-hmm. If you perceive your restaurant and, and you want your restaurant to be outstanding, then you'll lean that way. On the other hand, if you don't care, well, then you'll lean the other way, just like the IRS and uh, and Revenue Canada or, or Bell Canada or Comcast. Yeah. They just don't care. So to me, I look at it and I think to myself, well, most businesses want to be successful. So how do I take a company that's not successful and help them become successful. Well, we need to do legwork. We need to do, we need to make phone calls. We need to do email. We need to have people in here to try your food and to tell them what you, what you like and what you don't like. And what, you know, that's where, and then when you take that information, that data, that data is huge to you. And and I'm sure you agree with that yeah. because yeah. how do you like really copy on on what a hearsay? Oh, well, I think they would like it. Right.
0: Well, I think you know. Since you're the fearless marker marketer, the the, the thing to kind of tie into that is, yeah, the data matters, but you, to get the data, you have to talk. You know to your customers you have to see what's connecting them, you know because what's driving their emotions whether they're because they could be mad at you they could love what you're doing but in either case you have to be fearless about it and going after it because yeah if you let the fear of what they're going to say hold you back you can't make the changes that are going to be necessary you know because i say many decisions are driven by emotion you know pretty much everything is And it's just a matter of what kind of, you know, what is driving it, whether it's a negative emotion or a positive emotion and such. But if you want to ingrain loyalty in your customers, you've got to figure out how to turn them to positive emotions. And it's not just how you market the business and the feel goods that might come through your advertising. It's how you actually deal with the customer once, you know, once they are a customer.
1: Look, you know, you and I both see this. Um, restaurant makes up a menu. It's the first thing they do. Oh, I'm going to sell these things. But if you ask them why, they'll tell you. Well, I make a really good burger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do, people, do people like your burger? Well, I like it. And my neighbors like it. And my wife likes it. And my kids like it. What does that mean? means nothing.
0: Yeah. They might okay. hate it. They're just not willing to tell you.
1: <laughs> well, and, and again, you know, what? whatever the reason is, it's speculation, and that speculation right, right. kills your marketing. So whether you're doing a menu, whether you're doing a logo, whether you're doing social media, website, answering the phone, telemarket, whatever it is, you start with the research. You end with the menu. You end with the website. You end with the yeah. social media. You don't start with that. You end with it. because. Marketing is and has always been about research.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sales has always been about research. I, I can't tell you how many salespeople have come into, my, come into my office over the years and have said to me, here, I'd like to sell you this. And I, and I always ask the question, why do you want to sell me that? Oh, I don't know. I just figured you needed it. Yeah. Goodbye. Okay. The problem is, is, that people don't want to prepare. They don't. Want to, you know, I don't want to do research. Now, back in the day, in the eighties, I mean, it was tough. You know, we had to go through the yellow pages. We had there wasn't a website to go to. You know, we had to use our own ideas to figure out what you did for a living and and and, and how that all worked. But. Today, all you have to do is click a button and, and do it on the internet. Yeah. And you know what, you'll start getting some ideas of you know, what a competitive analysis looks like, okay? What are other people doing? You know, what are the trend analysis looking like, okay? And you know what, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, I mean, I use Google Trends and I use a variety of other tools, but <laughs> you know what? It takes me 30 seconds to figure out on Google Trends where 20, 30, 40 years ago, okay, it was all manual. Yeah. Okay. So there's no reason why you can't do a little bit of recon before you meet with your customer and really dig down deep inside of him and say, listen, what is really important to you? You know? Find out and connect with that man, connect with that woman, be part of who they are. Because I'll tell you something, when it comes to marketing, if you're not connected to it and you don't understand what that person is living, it makes it really difficult to write copy. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, you know, we, we've we seen great websites that are beautiful pictures, but you know What? The copy sucks, and uh, it does nothing. Right. You know. On the other hand, we've seen ugly, ugly-looking websites with great content, and it does great. Perfect example of that was. Um, do you remember Ron Popeil? Mm, I'm not sure. You know the pocket fisherman. Okay. Guy, do you remember him? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He used to do those infomercials at two o'clock in the morning, on uh, on TV. But before that, he was a um, uh, what do you call him? When you put ads into, you see, this is what happens when you get old. Um, <laughs> when you put ads in uh, in the uh, National Enquirer and things like that. Oh yeah. Direct yeah, response. Thank yeah. you. And uh, he was a direct response guy. His ads were ugly, ugly. But man, I'll tell you, he sold millions. Now, for me, I, you know, I learned my direct response a lot from Dan Kennedy. Do you remember Dan Kennedy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, back in the 80s, and that's what I was doing. I was doing a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, I was selling garden tools in the uh, National Enquirer. (laughs) But, you know, that's what I'm saying is that it's all about the quality of the marketing that you do that will drive those customers to your business. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's direct response or it's social media or whatever it is. But if you're not connecting with the customer, it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, The the best brands are figuring out ways to connect with them on an emotional level and then use those emotions to drive the actual sales and such.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. And you know, one of the things that came out of the eighties and nineties was, you know, it's all about the money. Mm -hmm. Um, it's all about the facts. Okay. FAB, you know, features, advantages, benefits, ABC, you know, always be closing, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I'm sure you've heard of those. And you know, like I said, it's, it's, that stuff, I don't, it doesn't work now. I don't even know that it really even worked back then. Okay. But you know, this is the kind of thing because what it did was it, it, we're always two generations ahead. So what happened in the 80s is still being um, saturated in the 90s and the 2000s. The stuff from the 2000s is still being saturated now in the, in the 2020s. So the whole idea, for marketing, marketing needed to evolve. And I And I agree with you. I think people... Companies especially, companies like Nike, you know, um, uh, another great brand that does it as well as you've seen a big change in how Amazon Uh is marketing. They're going to the uh, uh, digital television commercials. Yeah. Okay. And um, what are they talking about? They're not talking about Amazon. They're not talking about how good Amazon is. Matter of fact, I think the ad was a little girl and a little boy. And they were saying, you know, um, my dad watches golf on, on, on his, doesn't watch golf on TV anymore. He watches it on his cell phone. And, you know, when he was a little boy, he probably had to remember everybody's order in their, in their, in his head. Yeah. And can you imagine getting your, uh, uh, your allowance in coins? (laughs) And, you know, it was kind of interesting because she, at the end of it, it was just the Amazon logo. And I thought, you know, that's really smart advertising because they didn't make it about the product. They didn't make it about the fulfillment. They didn't make it about the company and how great the company is. Mm -hmm. They connected with people at an emotional level. And you know what? It resonated with me. And I'm sure it resonated with other people as well. Yeah. So... People don't have to, if you own a restaurant, don't make it about the food. Make it about the experience. You know, if you if you manufacture pet food, don't make it about the pet food. Make it about the experience of that. Because that's what people buy into is the experience. Yeah. Okay? Well,
0: on that okay. note, we're going to wrap it up. Because it really is, you know, let I say emotional marketing is about the experience. So look beyond, you know, dive into the data, talk to your customers, see what resonates with them, why you even, you know, why do they do business with you? And you'll find nuggets in there, you know, that are ways that you can use to connect with them. You can incorporate those ways into your advertising, into the things you know, as you're trying to build your company, build your brand, and whatnot, and be, yeah, you know, I say, more, uh, more known. You got to be intentional about it. If you're not willing to talk, oh, to yeah, them, you're not willing to talk to your customers, you're not going to see, you know, why they buy, and you can find out so much. You know, your customers are, you know, they're customers for a reason. I like say they came to you, yeah. You know, but why did they do it and how can you improve on it? How can
1: you capitalize? Um,
0: Absolutely. Randy, Randy, how would people get a hold of you?
1: I can be reached uh, through email and I do answer all my emails myself. Uh, you can reach out to me at randyfearlessmarketer.com at or through my website, www.fearlessmarketer.com, or I am on every social media platform. So. I'll just type in Randy Crane or Fearless Marketer, and I'm sure you'll find me. Okay. Well, it's been great
0: having you. Um, again, I am Cash Miller, the host of Marketing Masters and the CEO of Titan Digital. It's been a great, another great episode talking about emotional marketing, how you connect with your audience.